Uh, Brendan, Liz, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing? Hi, good morning. Very well, thank you. What's been happening at your end of the world? Well, we're currently, currently based in Thailand. And fortunately, it's one of the better recovered uh, countries uh, regarding COVID-19. So uh, we have been able to get about a little bit, which is really nice. Um, so we've been making the best use of our time uh, trying to drive certain campaigns that we feel are really important and uh, that we can try actually have an impact, uh, something positive during the, the time of COVID-19 is to do something really nice and to, um, yeah, achieve something wonderful. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, just before, because I'm going to ask you about the petitions for sure, mm. um, but just before that, for those people that will be listening to the podcast that aren't aware what Shark Guardian is, can you just um, give us a bit of a background on how it's all started and, and how you've got to where you are now? Sure. Would you like to start? I'll start. Yeah, I mean, to summarise, we're a UK charity, um, but as we say, based in Thailand right now. Um, we became a charity in 2013, um, but Shark Guardian has kind of been in the works way more longer than that isn't it and you actually started going into schools around I think it was 2010 2011 we went to first went to some schools in Bangkok um but we met in 2009 wasn't it um and that's when we met Brendan was already talking about sharks and all the kind of expeditions he'd been on so sharks were obviously a massive part of his life and he used that to woo me and to you know um, on a night out. <laughs> um, so that's that was kind of how it started for us. But long before that, you were fascinated by sharks. I did at that point. I really didn't know anything about them. I just become a scuba diving instructor. You know, you don't always know lots about the oceans at that point, and I had no idea what was happening to sharks specifically. I was learning a lot about the oceans struggling, and the not you know the the higher level um, predator, higher level food chain fish. That were all disappearing and then I learned what was happening with sharks and I was just amazed that that could be going on and people had no idea what was going on with it hence why then we collaborated and kind of shark guarding emerged from that didn't it but Correct, yeah. way before that you were yeah before that I was doing a lot of stuff with sharks anyway but ultimately um so shark guarding in a nutshell we have four arms of operation we have conservation education research and dive expeditions uh, and to, to summarize each one of those, uh, in terms of conservation, we, we run campaigns to uh, many different things, such as running petitions, uh, campaigning for certain regulation changes, uh, protecting sharks, looking at providing information for marine protected areas and so on. So that covers the conservation side. Uh, in terms of education, we do, as Liz was saying, we, we actually do a lot of work uh, with schools around the world by going in personally to give presentations about sharks or uh, during this time, we've also been looking at exploring a lot more options of doing virtual presentations or uh, attracting wider audiences online. Mm-hmm. We've also published some really uh, amazing children's books about sharks. So we have some education materials uh, as well, uh, some of which can be downloaded off our site. Um, so um, the, the, some of those you send out free to schools as well, don't you? That's correct. Yeah, we do. Um, uh, so we, we organized a, a fundraiser to get these books produced. And then we had a certain number of them that we have for free to give out to schools anywhere around the world. So 
we do say that, you know, if anybody does have any contacts in schools or they would like to get a copy of these books, just to send us an email and we'll get those books to the school libraries as, as soon as we can. And um, both books. So mm. both books were funded. We can donate them as well as people can buy them as well. We have extra for that. And then we had the first book translated for Thai. So that's a big project to donate books to schools. And actually, that's a project that we're going to be working on over these coming months which we can maybe talk about separately later. Yeah. Uh, and uh, we're in the process also of translating the books into as, as many languages as possible and have them available as ebooks to download uh, through Amazon and various other sources. Um, so that covers the education side of things. Apart from the Shot of Only Diver program, so with our um, dive centres oh, around yes. the world that supporters, mm. they, it's only those dive centres that come on the special program that um, they learn more about us, but take part in research while doing snorkeling on, on diving alongside their courses generally. Um, so that's another way that we're spreading the education far and wide. Yeah, we're looking to expand the, the, the diver programs to come up with a, a certain um, specialized programs and courses that people can learn more about sharks while diving. So we're looking to expand uh, the diver education uh, category when it comes to sharks, which is gonna okay. be really exciting, very awesome actually. <laughs> Is that going through a particular agency or is it something that you're doing standalone? No, we want to do it standalone. And, and um, it's a really good, really good point you bring up there, Matt, because we do get that question quite often. And I think that the main reason why we want to do it as a standalone thing is we don't want it to limit, limit our education just to one particular organization. Um, we want to make sure that it isn't... Uh, focus to only one organization and, and, and their followers and their divers. We want to make sure it's available to absolutely anybody. So whether it's a, a BSAC dive center in the UK, whether it's, you know, any other agency located anywhere in the world, mm. uh, we don't want to limit their, uh, their option to have more education about sharks in any way. So we want to keep it as a standalone shark guiding program. Yeah. Something you've been wanting to do for a long, long time, isn't it? Yeah. You know, we have all these goals, obviously, constantly change throughout the year when we assess where we're going what's mm. happening in the world yeah. but we'll certainly get there one day because we're gradually picking yeah boxes. and it's also nice as we're talking about the education we are growing our educational team so uh, i'm in the process right now of um, uh, creating more presentations and building a team i think we have up to about 14 or 15 people right now and uh, these are individuals who are, uh, some of them are novice divers, some of them are professional divers, but they all have a great passion for sharks. And what we're doing is we're going to be developing these programs and these presentations and modules together as a team. So we're bringing in resources from not just myself, it's from a range of different people. Everybody has a way of inputting some, some of the ideas and focus and education into this. So we're going to be able to, as a team, build these programs up. Uh, to a very high quality and standard. So it's, it's very exciting. And, and it's also because, obviously, from the beginning, so 2013, when we really threw ourselves into Shark Guardian and hit the road and presented to almost 30,000 people in that first year alone, um, it's been Brendan and myself doing absolutely everything. You know, that how, how many? How many did it? 30,000? Yeah. Wow. We just kind of hit the road and we were sleeping on people's bedrooms floors and <laughs> yeah taking night buses at stupid times to get to places and doing the social media when we got in and you know it was just using our money at that point because we had no no way of funding and, yeah. and well, that's when we saw that we had something special um and and then we became in demand you know it's always a snowball effect if you've got something good but then it was like oh come over here to hong kong okay i'll come over here to um 
played the blue, wasn't it? And we just yeah, yeah, that was a lot of spread. Running run around like headless chickens. So, important to have other people to, to deliver the presentations, and also that means we can reach more people at any given time. It's not just limited to our time and ability and, and money. Yeah. Is, is yeah. The world. So, that's so really exciting. So especially moving forward with a with a bigger team, we'll be looking at targeting anything between a hundred to two hundred thousand people a year that's, at a minimum. That's next year. We're going to go for hundred thousand, and that's going to get bigger. Yeah. Wow. Okay. And obviously, in the current climate, that's why you mentioned that you're looking at webinars and and that kind of elements. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. and I think that also our 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 audience reach will also be significant significantly greater that way too. I think. Um, so what what we find a little bit challenging is uh, being able to access schools and to get onto their networks to target students because right now schools are um, they themselves are just trying to make make sense out of this whole new normal and how how to reach kids. So. Uh, we're kind of waiting until they put their structures in place and then we'll be looking at how do we get onto their networks and actually give presentations to kids in their classrooms that are virtually taking place and so on. So we're we're, we're getting there slowly. Yeah, yeah. And is there a particular age range that you're looking at or are you doing the full spectrum of kids, yeah. I mean? We do full spectrum. Um, Liz normally takes care of the little, little ones, which is between <laughs> the four to six-year-old. They scare him. I, they, they scare me. They, <laughs> they, they scare you. I was going to say you probably scare them the size of you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, the older ones, you're, you're happy to hang out and be okay with yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. so the, the primary <laughs> to your high school to university level, that's, that's kind of more my comfort zone area. Yeah. But otherwise, yes, no, we do a full spectrum. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, with the little ones, let's, let's get some with the baby shark song and doing some of the other cool fun stuff. <laughs> yeah. yeah so, but I mean, primarily, we'll be focusing on primary to start with. It's always easier to get into the primary schools. The, yeah. Obviously, the secondaries have a lot more going on. Again, we don't know what it's going to be from when schools are back in. Is that a doorbell? <laughs> <laughs> so what's, what, what's going on at the moment? I know we've got... Um, Swim for sharks just around the corner sometime this month, isn't it? Next week. Next week. Isn't it? Yeah, we're heading to Cotel next Wednesday, and the kids' event is on the Friday, mm -hmm. and then the school adult swim is on the Saturday. So, Swim for Sharks is a yearly event run by Big Blue on Cotel, or Big Blue has gen generally been the lead dive mm. centre organising it, and mm. um, lots of businesses and organizations and groups to get involved it's just a wonderful community event to raise yeah. awareness of sharks and do this fantastic yeah. fundraising swim and we're so glad it's going on because you know it's, it's a highlight of the year for a lot of people because they want to beat their times and yeah there's some, there's, people, there's some people we know that actually physically train all year round just to take part in this swim for sharks which is a you know, it's a three three point something kilometer swim around this one little island that they do it for and, and everybody loves it and all the businesses get involved they donate some amazing prizes for raffles in the evening it gets really exciting uh, you know some people shave their heads for sharks or they get like a real tattoo yeah. I'm not doing that I've done it but I didn't have much to lose anyway so <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Did you do the swim, Matt, as well? Did you do the swim? No, I didn't do the swim. I was um, I was one of the guys that helped organise on the boats and all that kind of stuff. Okay, yeah. Right, yeah. Um, but I did do, um, obviously now living in Australia, it's a bit difficult to get to uh, Thailand. Uh, but last year I did do the distance in the, the local pool here just as a 
a little tag on. It's um, it's actually three point four kilometers. That's uh, um, and for those people that have no clue what we're talking about, but uh, Koh Tao has a little island next to it, or two islands next to it, uh, called Nang Yuang, and it's a race around the island uh, swimming. So some people, like Brendan says, take it very very seriously. Uh, we know one guy that's in a Cayman Islands that has won it once at last after having been beaten by an old man and then a young child at some point. Um, <laughs> but um, there's also the fun event as well. So many people use Mac and Snorkel and Fins and, and do it all in the name of, of supporting Shark Guardian and, and raising awareness of, of the fantastic work that you guys do. Um, and I'm sure you'll probably have a few beers in the evening next week as well, eh, Brennan? Absolutely, yeah, for sure, yeah. yeah. And it's cool now because, like, last year, Olivia, our oldest daughter, so she's five now, so four last year, she did the kids' swim last year, didn't mm, she? Really? So that just happens in the swimming pool and they just do little games and different things, but it's it's nice that she's emerging into it and taking part and we do a little presentation to the kids and the adults and, and that, it was really, that stepped up a level last year as well, like mm. more educational and and everyone just, you know, understands more what's going on. So, yeah, who knows, in a few years, maybe she'll be doing the big swim as well. Yeah. <laughs> Some young kids almost ready to do the big swim, definitely, as well. Well, I, I did see as well on uh, on social media a, a few days ago that um, the tattoo artist, Pui, is going to be at Big Blue, and he's giving people the tattoo of the logo for this year's Swim for Sharks. <laughs> They always have a different design each year, don't it's they? It's crazy, it, yeah. Or has it been? Is it, is it actually been a shark each year? There's like a little bit more of the shark yeah. that they add on. No, no, it's yeah. it is a uh, no. It's just a, a different shark design each year. I okay, think it is. Yeah. But this yeah. year, it's the logo. Is it? I've not heard. Yeah. So the logo that they've got going at the moment, advertising swim for sharks, is is what Pooey's going to be tattooing on people that want to, you know, just to just to raise money. But you can have a load of people running around with a. Uh, swim for sharks tattoos with a hangover the following morning I think <laughs> okay so that's the, that's the fun bit that's coming up that you're really going to enjoy and you know I'll be quite envious of sitting here in the cold in Sydney um, so let's let's have a look at something else that's been going on and, and one of the big things that you guys have been pushing for the last oh, couple of months now is um, the petition that you've you've raised with uh, the UK government um, Brendan, do you want to give us a bit of a background on that one? Yeah, sure. So um, in, in a nutshell, um, it is completely legal for anybody. Uh, let's, let's say hypothetically somebody is a businessman and he's coming from somewhere in Asia, lands uh, in the UK, London or any other major airport. And basically that person is allowed to legally bring in 20 kilograms of shark fin and doesn't have to declare it. You can just walk right through customs. There's nothing wrong about it to the, the UK law. It falls under a category that says you're allowed to bring in 20 kilograms of any kind of fish products. And at the same time, you're not allowed to bring in any kind of dairy. So I can't even bring in a bottle of milk for my daughter. I can bring in even like you know, 100 grams of nice beef or anything like that, or cheese, cheese yeah, or anything like that. Well. But I can bring in a bag of 20 kilograms of shark fin. But you can't even get on the plane at the start of the journey with a, a, a half litre open bottle of water. No. No. What? no. <laughs> so, and to put that into perspective, right, um, we, we've been trying to come up with a number, but we believe that 
it's you know 20 kilograms of shark fin would depending on the size of the fin of course that's mm. somewhere between seven and maybe seven to 15 sharks that are killed to accumulate that 20 kilograms of shark fin yeah and that is per person that's ridiculous that's not per family it's per person so what if what if in one day uh, 10 people are walking in to the uk with a 20 kilogram of shark fin that's you know 200 kilos and then you know just exponential that and it's just mm. it's, it's insane that it's allowed and that's class under you know that's personal consumption yeah so this is what what the petition is or we're trying to, to stop this loophole now the the uk does follow uh, regulations by cites which is the convention of international trade of endangered species and we have already got a response from the government because the petition has passed the first goal of getting 10,000 signatures and they have openly expressed their interest for shark conservation protocols that they're following CITES and so on but our argument to that is if I'm if I walk into the UK with a 20 kilogram bag full of shark fin how does the the UK border force agent there know that I don't have a, sh a shark fin from an endangered species like a hammerhead yeah. or a whale shark because I'm not declaring it. So they're not even opening it back to it. So how, how do they control that? Yeah. And if I am doing that, that, that is actually illegal. You know, so there's a massive loophole. So if they're trying to say that, oh, no, we're, we're, we're in support of sustainable shark finning and we follow CITES. Well, actually, you're not because if you're not requiring people to declare the shark fin, you're not checking it, they're not following that protocol. Mm. So it is a massive problem. It is, you know, we have identified a very big loophole. So instead of them trying to come up with a way of, I mean, how are they going to educate thousands of border control agents to identify the difference between uh, a, this is, oh, this fin comes from a hammerhead. Oh, that fin comes from this. Oh, this fin comes from that species. They wouldn't be able to do that. Yeah. So isn't it just lots simpler and easier just to say, no shark fin, nothing, no shark product. And that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to say, look, it's so easy. All you have to do is say, no shark. Like, no, it can't be shark. That's it. And let's, let's be brutally honest. That it's only a cultural thing that people eat shark fin anyway. Exactly. You know, it's, it, the only thing that springs to mind for me right now is anyone that's going to be going into the UK that will be carrying shark fin will be someone from the Chinese, and, uh, from the Chinese culture that is possibly going to a wedding so that they can produce the, the soup to look as though they've got lots of money sure all restaurants isn't it you yeah know, the, 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 all major cities have a big chinatown where there is a lot of shark fin restaurants i don't know numbers mm. and it's not as big as you know somewhere mm. like singapore for example where it's huge or, or thailand massive yeah Bangkok. um but that's possibly where it's going as well because yeah, there's not so many sharks around UK waters yeah. and like there, if I, there if are I, laws to prevent it. So that's it, right. it might be an easy way for some people if they're traveling. So like if I had a restaurant, I could just tell, you know, 10 of my friends, oh, you know, when you come yeah, through, please bring me a 20 kilogram of shark fin with you. And there's nothing, great. there's nothing the border force will, will do about it because yeah. they, for them it's legal. I mean, it'd be wonderful to understand who brings it in and what's the the chain it's very difficult because again you don't have to declare it so there's, yeah. there's probably yeah. a lot more that comes through than that's you right. realize and that's that's a difficult thing too because a lot of people have been asking us well where's where's the data how do we know it's like well oh, there isn't gosh. any because first of all if you don't have to declare it there's no recording so they don't know so obviously i think there are highlights a lot of need for this petition to take place and mm. um yeah and that's what we've been really pushing uh, the last couple of months yeah
Yeah. So where, how are you with figures at the moment? Do you know how many signatures you've got? Yeah, I, th- I checked this morning and I think uh, from yesterday today to today has gone up a couple of hundred signatures. I think about f- almost 500 now. So we're up to 18,400 and something, I think. We're all very close to that. So uh, we have to reach 100,000 signatures by the 11th of September. And, why, uh, why, why, why is that? What's, that's obviously a UK legislation thing, is it? Yeah, because because the the petition is being uh, hosted directly with the UK um, government website, they only last six months. Okay. And the petition wasn't actually started by us; it was actually started by a private citizen. And by the time that we were notified that this petition had taken place, we already lost two months on it. Right. Uh, so we we were a little bit late getting onto the petition. Now, this is the other interesting thing. This is not the first time this petition has taken place either. There was a previous petition, and once, and it, it did reach about 16,000 signatures the first time around. Mm. And the UK government responded that, again, although they, they highly support um, shark conservation and, and looking at clothes and making the UK more um, environmentally friendly when it comes to uh, shark fin and imports, they couldn't do anything at that time because uh, they were still bound by European regulations and laws as part of Europe. Right. Uh, but then, of course, after Brexit happened, now there was more um, flexibility for the UK government to do something more specifically about this issue. So that's why the petition was launched again. Yeah. Uh, so that's where we are right now. Okay. And the the downside being that the only people who can sign a petition are, are UK residents, yeah? That's right, yeah. So you have to be a UK national resident to sign this particular petition. And that is the only um, yeah, the only restriction, I guess. If, if it was open to everybody, it would be a lot more. But at the same time, we can also understand that if the UK government wants to take this seriously, and they are, they are looking into this right now, mm. uh, then it has to be UK nationals to sign it. And yeah. we understand that, but it does make it a little bit harder to get that petition out to just target UK nationals. But fortunately, um, as working in the diving industry, we do know there's a lot of people from the UK that, who are expats that work abroad, especially in the diving industry. So mm. um, we, are, we are utilizing that. And uh, I think the main, the main thing is that people from the UK, they share it, you know, do direct messages to friends and family, share it on your own profiles, get your family and friends back home in the UK to sign and share it. And that's, that's going to be the key message. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And also, you know, if, if people are not UK nationals, you know, please just share it anyway, because more than likely, even if you're not a UK national, I mean, I'm not a UK national, I can't even sign it. So <laughs> but I have been able to share it and get all my, my network of UK friends and, and family to do it. Yeah. Uh, so there's so even if you can't sign it yourself, you can still do a lot more. Yeah. So that deadline is what, what date in September? The 11th of September. 11th of September. We have to get busy on social media then, don't we? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so every every day. Uh, yeah. Yesterday we uh, I actually had permission from uh, Paddy Asia Pacific to post uh, the uh, petition on their main uh, Facebook page. So I did that yesterday. So that was really great. And of course they have a great following. So we're going to be mm. doing that uh, today. I'm actually going to be uh, trying to have uh, contact with uh, BSAC, so the British Sub Aqua Club in the UK. Mm. and uh, I'm going to try and make sure that they get onto it as well because obviously being UK-based agency, uh, they would be uh, influential in getting the extra numbers for us. So I'm contacting them today. 
Oh, good luck with that one. Yeah, that's really yeah. good. What else have we got? It's uh, Galapagos, the Chinese. Yeah. I feel like I'm picking on the Chinese here. I'm not. It's just <laughs> they're doing everything wrong right now. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a tricky area, isn't it? That Brendan can actually say it all a lot more clearer than I can. You've been following it a lot closer, haven't you? Um, a little bit, yeah. We actually have um, we actually have a, a campaign leaders. So we have a, a a girl in the UK. Her name is Katie, and she's been our campaign leader for the the UK petition mm-hmm. and then we also have uh, Harriet and she's our social media manager and she's the one who's really been on the, on the story of Galapagos and writing up the blogs and and um, issues related to that so basically what it is is that um, not that long ago uh, it came to uh, headlines that there was a massive fleet of 260 something uh, boats surrounding the Galapagos, and they were sitting just on the edge of the the no fishing zone around the Galapagos, and obviously it made big headlines. Yeah, uh, and that's be also because that uh, about a year ago there was a fishing vessel that was caught that had hundreds of tons of shark of shark fin and and, and mantas and all kinds of fauna and fauna uh, mm. on that boat that was illegally fishing within that zone. So to have this many boats surrounding that area, and, and there is a satellite image, and if you look at it, it's you know it's it's crazy. You see this the perfect circle of the the protected zone, and you see this massive fishing fleet just on the edge, like you know it's yeah. just like uh, yeah pre invasion you know, kind of thing. Um, so then, of course, uh, it became a media attention. Uh, there is fear that these fishing vessels are longlining and catching lots of sharks. Uh, there has been a lot of pollution washing up on beaches in Ecuador and the Galapagos with uh, plastic bottles and a lot of plastic, all the Chinese writing on them, like coming from these vessels. So not only are they they're fishing anything that passes through there, but they're also polluting the area at the same time. Yeah. And I think the, the, the thing that I think that a lot of people sometimes don't always understand is that sharks, mantas, they don't, they don't know our, our fictional borders. You know, to them, they just, it's just ocean. So they're from wherever. So they don't understand that, oh, no, if I stay in this circle, it's safe. When I go out that circle, it's danger. They don't know that. So, yeah. uh, you know, to some sense, these, these marine protected areas don't really mean much when it comes to hypothetical borders or crossings because unless they protect an, an entire region or zone or even ocean, segment mm. uh, it doesn't really make much difference if you protect these islands and let's say an x amount of kilometers from these islands is safe and anything out there is is, is open to anybody it, it doesn't really mean much does it yeah Did, they, there was something similar to this years ago in indonesia wasn't there where the um the mantas were migrating between two points and both points were protected but the bits in between were not correct yeah and then the indonesians yeah. actually well whoever it was um, raised the issue, and then they combine the whole thing so that it's all blocked out. You can't fish it full stop. And, and this is where research is so important because it was from the research that a couple of manta organisations did that proved that the mantas were migrating between the different areas in in, in Indonesia. Mm. So you have to stop what's happening in the middle. You know, yeah. there's places around the world that the same thing needs to happen. Yes, there are. Uh, there's the Convention for International. Migratory species. Yes. What is the um, the Convention on International Trade of Endangered Species, or the migration uh, the, of endangered species? Migration of endangered species. Right. Yes. So there's another um, organisation that monitors that, and they, they are doing a lot more to try and protect the bits that are in between. But mm. ultimately, fishing, you know, fishing boats, fishing methods are so good these days that it, mm. it's 
you know, it's very, very difficult to protect any of these migratory species. So, um, yeah, and again, this is what's the worrying around Galapagos. You know, you've got so many amazing species, rare species, you know, it's the Endang only place many endangered species. endangered species. You've got places where, um, you know, whale sharks are seen, pregnant whale sharks, huge female whale sharks. There's so much yeah. research going on there, you know, and, that, and that's the worry. And obviously we're going to think the worst when you see that many fishing boats for sure along that line yeah. it, it just yeah. doesn't make sense so i mean um, I, I i was diving there last year you know sensational location and dream, we're back there again place, hopefully with you know get this covid stuff out of the way but october next year we've got an expedition there so i'm looking forward to it but at the same time at the moment i'm actually quite scared to see what the difference is going to be with all those sure. boats out there uh, I think it was yesterday, there was an update, the, the Chinese government did respond. Um, mm. Look at our website, there is a, a, a blog that says update. And the Chinese government has responded that from September to November, they will be ceasing all activity within the area. Mm. And if the, the Ecuador government does uh, see any illegal fishing, they are to inform the, UK, the, the Chinese government and they will take severe action. So there has finally been some response from the Chinese government regarding this. Mm. Um, do you actually do you actually believe them though i well, i'm not so sure I, d I don't know uh i i tend to not believe very much i mean uh, mm. the, the other interesting thing i was speaking to somebody else last night who suggested that um the, the media may have also exploited the chinese fleet and and have been very quick to judge what their intentions are there. Um, because so of past history. Because of past history, so. because they mm. have been caught illegally with a lot of sharks. So there is a suggestion that these fishing boats are nothing more than uh, squid boats. Uh, but the thing is, <laughs> the thing is, though, and uh, so my question was, well, you know, why would they be fishing just for squid just in that spot? You know, why? I mean, there's such a big ocean in the Pacific. You can go anywhere. Why are they specifically there? And mm. um, it was suggested that, well, maybe it's because of the spawning of squid. I was like, really? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so maybe that's true. Maybe it's not. Uh, and, you know, they say that these boats are physically incapable of, of catching anything else but squid. But uh, who knows? And I think that uh, the, there is another article that, that has suggested that these boats are squid. Uh, but hopefully within the next uh, 24 uh, to 48 hours, we'll probably hear more uh, mm. and we'll see what happens regarding uh, uh, that particular news. So, yeah, let's... Well, to, to be fair, if, they, if, if the Chinese fishing fleet and the, the Chinese government wanted to prove something as, you know, as simple as being a fishing vessel for squid... They just let people on to have a look at what they've got. It's not like you're going to exactly. be able to hide, you know, five miles of fishing line with a couple of thousand hooks on it, is it? No. Um, exactly. And you're going to need a hell of a lot of light bulbs to catch some squid. So if you've not got any light bulbs and you load of big hooks, there's there's a little bit of porky pies going on there. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So you know the uh, so basically I'm saying, look, you know, I'd love to see more evidence uh, suggesting these uh, these statements, but. Um, you know, again, he said, or the contact I have said that he, you know, you'll probably have something more significant to explain within the next 48, 30, uh, the 24 to 38 hours. Okay. Um, he and, has, and that's what you have to do. And, you know, yeah. we, have, we have our goal researching it, keeping an eye on all the news. We don't just straight away blast the news. It, you know, you have to be very careful these days. And we want yeah. to be a reputable, you know, organization. So yeah. if anything changes, you know, we're not going to post anything in, until we have. Fact, but yeah, you're relying on fact 
from sources, aren't you, in the galaxy yeah. around the world? And of course, so, sources sources can also be wrong. So again, yeah. if you know if something changes, we will post an update. Um, I, I the other thing I. That was told. To this is interesting. Yeah, it was just. This, this is just <laughs> quite, um, careful when you get sources and you get no, stuff no. that's not been published yet. The, well, the the one the, the, this is just fact, is, and seventy uh, percent of the world's squid is squid is caught by the Chinese fishing. Seventy percent. Seventy percent. Yeah. Wow. In fact, a third of their accounts or their the money uh, of the, the the Chinese fishing fleet is based on squid on squid catches. Mm. Very interesting. So, uh, so there might be some truth. To it, but again, we mm. don't know. We're still waiting to see the evidence. Yeah, but they they could also be very large squid with very large fins. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, if, if but you, you've, got, you've, you've got you've got to stay the right side of the political fence. I can say what I want. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but I mean, if the Japanese can can send a massive boat uh, killing thousands of whales a year with a big sign on the boat that research. says research, I mean, who's yeah. to say that? That certain boats from a certain country aren't saying we're fishing squid and they're catching something else. Yeah, yeah. It's a possibility. It's a possibility. It's, yeah, and I it, hope it, it gets sorted and ironed out soon. Yeah. I hope, I hope they do. I really do. Well, in other news, what's 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 happening with the kind of membership of of Shark Guardian? I noticed on the website that we've got, you know, possibilities that people can can join and follow you guys. Yes. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah, I mean, that's something that people for a long time, when they meet us, see us, we often get the response of, how do I join? Yeah. What can I do? How can I get involved? You know, and we wanted to have a membership scheme for quite a long time. We just, we just kept going around in circles of what people actually wanted from being a member. Mm. Um, but now it's kind of become more focused, you know, as, a, as the charity board, it's... Um, yeah, just we're growing as an organisation, so it'd be nice to have have options for people, and especially for students to continue being involved or even just linked with us to have a regular email that maybe they are our next speaker in five years' time, or yeah. you know, come on expeditions with us and take part in research. Mm. Um, so yeah, what which programs are live? Sure. So well, well, first of all, um, you know. There are so many different organizations that offer membership packs where they, they buy some, a package and they get a T-shirt and a wristband and they get little things. And we didn't want to just copy that. We wanted to have something that was more meaningful that followed our, uh, the, the, the staples that the, the charity is based on. So basically, if anybody wants to become a member, they can do that, but we want to make sure that we give something much more relevant back rather than just a, a T-shirt and a certificate saying, well done, you know, but you haven't done anything. <laughs> you just give us some more. <laughs> uh, so we wanted to make sure that, you know, let's say for, so we're going to have a junior membership pack, right? Yeah. Uh, so within that pack, uh, we wanted to make sure that, uh, yes, they do get regular updates, but not just to the kids, but it has to go through the parents and there's the resources and they're going to have uh, educational worksheets, uh, workbooks, so where they're actually going to be learning something about sharks. And then they can take that stuff and they can take it to school and they can show friends and family and really have an impact that way. So uh, we wanted to make sure that all the membership packs are based on education mm -hmm. and based on awareness. And whoever becomes the member, they're going to receive the most up-to-date information regarding our most recent campaigns, how to get involved. Um, yeah, take these posters and go put them around in your local coffee shop, go put them in your school, go put them at your gym, your community. So that's, 
that's how we're going to involve our members. We're going to make sure our members are active, they're, they're educated, and they're aware of global issues, rather than just having a, a fancy thing to show. That's yeah. awesome. That's, that's awesome. Basis of it all, yeah. Yeah. And just picking up on what Liz said there, the amount of times I've been asked, how do we get, how do we get membership? You know, it's, uh, you know, I think there's a, yeah. a, a big queue knocking at your door waiting to get in. Yeah, that's it. And that has taken us a while to, to get there. We, but we want right. yeah, we want it to be right. We want it to be, yeah. for it to be meaningful. We want to say, yeah. if you're a member, you've got to be a true member, you know, so it's got to have some real substance to it. So I think that's it. And a lot of people were throwing different ideas to comparing what other organizations are doing. And we're like, no, let's not, let's not just copy. Let's do something better, more meaningful, you know, more substantial. And let's make sure that when people are becoming our members, they're proud to be it. You know, they feel like, yes, you know, we're, we're getting the right information and the right stuff from this. Yeah. Oh, that's excellent. And um, is that live now or is it in the not-too-distant future? Uh, in the not-too-distant future. So right now, so basically we're going to have a junior membership for kids. Mm -hmm. uh, we have an adult membership. We also have something that's called a, a international student ambassador. So this is different because this is where students will receive resources, materials from us that they can actually learn how to give their own presentation, that they can go and give a presentation in their school or their local community. Uh, so it's kind of like a shark guardian presentation that's been uh, streamlined that mm -hmm. any, any student uh, between the ages of 10 to 18 can use. And it comes with notes and some videos and some really great stuff. And uh, so we're really excited about that. Uh, we're going to have a diver membership program. So um, apart from the a few cool things that they get, they're also going to be getting information about how to get involved with research, which apps to download that provide information for research. Uh, so that's going to be really exciting. That's that's awesome. And then yeah. the resort membership as well. That's right. It? And then we have then we have two other memberships. So we have a dive center membership and a resort membership. Okay. Uh, and in a nutshell, the, the resort memberships, if they want to become members, they have to show us that they do not uh, that all their food comes from sustainable resources, mm -hmm. and that they certainly do not serve any type of shark uh, product, yeah. as well as providing information in the resort. Uh, for dive centers, that they're taking part in all of those things, but also doing a lot more on the research and raising awareness with, with their divers and their students. It's, it's all exciting. And is that going to be, come on, give me a timeline. Is that, is that going to be all up and running by the end of the year or is it? Oh, definitely. Early definitely. Before the end of the year. Yeah. 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 yeah I'm, 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 would like to get everything up and ready by the end of September. Yeah. Happy days. So yeah. when, when it comes to the crunch of people wanting to, to join, then they do it through the website or they got to contact you directly. They can do it through the website. We're going to have a dedicated page uh, for the memberships to, so people can log on and go through the different memberships, see the packs, and they can, uh, they can subscribe to those packages uh, through there. Uh, we'll also be uh, promoting them through the social media so people mm -hmm. can see it up there too. So, yeah. Okay. Expeditions. Have you got time for this one, Liz? Yeah. Again, <laughs> I mean, expeditions is obviously a little bit <laughs> <laughs> It's something we've wanted to grow for a long time, but mm. um, you know our focus is education and, and with what's happened with COVID and reassessing what the schools are doing, that has been our focus. And we wanted to grow the programme anyway, as I said earlier, so we don't have to do everything. Yeah. Uh, so that is the priority of the next month, getting all the speakers ready um, and then and getting the online programmes ready so that there's all that happening right now. Um, but yeah, we need to do more diving. So when the world opens up, I mean, we're doing the, the sardine run. We did that for, for you know. Since three, 2016. Three, yeah, so we did, we did 2016, three, 17 three and 18. Yeah. We want to mm. do that. We want to do, we want to do more of that. You know, we've got contacts 
places, Liverpool, you know, in Indonesia, Malaysia. We'd love to do Galapagos, of course. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess it's just priorities and with us having a family, it's yeah. not easy just to pop off around the world to these different locations. But I guess it's watch this space. Once we once the stuff you know, to the end of the year, we've got a lot of going on. We've got a lot happening in Thailand, which I can talk about in a second as well. Once that's all in place and we've got more in the team around the world, you know, everything's running nicely, then we'll start seeing where the world has opened up and we can go and do some cool shark diving. Yeah, I mean, I have some people asking already about uh, doing the sardine run in 2021. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's really exciting. I'm in contact right now to um, get something happening with a liverboard up in, in Komodo again. Uh, we've done that before, so we really have to do this. So what are we going to do is we're going to start uh, doing a few trips and expeditions uh, here locally, like quite close by. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, and then we're going to expand that as we go along. And, uh, yeah, we'll just see how, how things do uh, shape again after COVID-19. And when borders reopen and traveling starts again, I think that right now everything is on a hiatus until yeah. that happens. Yeah. Uh, so, we uh, yeah, we're a bit unsure where the next expeditions will be and – uh, how many people are going to want to travel after yeah. this? So right now, it's it's very much in the air. For sure. Well, I'll let you know. I have got a boat booked for next year in South Africa for the sardine run. My company, Nomadic Scuba, we've not mentioned yet, will donate $20 for every person that comes on any expeditions or trips that we do as well. Yeah, so that's, that's awesome. And you'll also get either myself. An amazing trip yeah. sardine run. So it has to be on everyone's bucket list. Yeah, oh, it's a dream dream location, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. Yeah. I don't know why you left South Africa, Brendan. <laughs> well, it's nice to, it's we say nice that to go every back. time we go back, but then yeah. you appreciate when we need to go back. So uh, because we have a, a new child that family haven't seen in South Africa. So that's yeah. Yeah. you know, and then he yeah. I mean I, I still say now that um, if if somebody asks me where is the best diving in the world, I still say South Africa hands down. Yeah. Uh, but I think that uh, if, unless you actually already have a very set up business with a good reputation, you have a really good network of people coming to you, it's, it's very hard to break new businesses in South Africa. Yeah. Uh, the economy is, um, is, is uh, struggling. Uh, the political situation is not great. But it is such, it is one of the most beautiful countries in the world. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, nature, the marine life is insane. It's, it's just absolutely amazing. And I think that um, when you get there, you can almost forget about the, the negative, political, and the economy side of things and just enjoy being there. It's really, really amazing. And I think that that's, that's kind of why I, I haven't lived there for such a long time because certainly um, uh, going back to visit and dive is amazing, but uh, running a business or, or having influence in, in the conservation world, it's, it's easy to be, be abroad. Yeah. yeah. I love the place. Absolutely sensational, above and below the water. Oh. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, we can't wait to go back and uh, hopefully 2021 <clears throat> allows us to do that again. Yeah. yeah. Well, maybe we'll be going diving, thankfully. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we'll meet you there. Yeah. <laughs> so, come on, Liz, tell, tell me what's, the, what's yeah. the gossip. So, exciting stuff that's happening. So, yeah. as we've talked about the education. Um, so, for the rest of this year, again, given travel constraints that we're not going to be flying to the different countries, because we've got all these books still in Thai, um, and that was from a project with an organization called GVI. Mm-hmm. Um, they have a base in, um, in Kaulak, in Pangna. Um, so we're going to be going to local schools focusing on the Krabi province until the end of the year. So we've already okay. got our first one lined up in a couple of weeks, and the aim is every week, if not every two weeks, we'll go to these schools. And it's just a very short presentation 
um, introduction to the to the ocean and why we need sharks and don't be scared of sharks or the oceans. You know, we're protecting the environment. You know, trash, plastic. Oh, that could be a whole or the key session in, it, in itself. Mm. You know, so we're yeah. just trying to get again the next generation, especially in a country like Thailand where trash is a huge problem. Um, inspired and when we denote these books and, and the responses in the past the kids have just absolutely loved them because it's something new and something different mm-hmm. um, and then next year our plan um, is to take that a step further now we've always had this big dream of te- getting a big van painting it black putting the shark bin on it and traveling around Europe traveling around UK traveling around Europe or wherever it takes us but that's been in the pipeline we've talked about for a few years and we were again talking about it to do a little test run this year in the UK Mm. next year Europe so things change and we're like you know we need to kind of leave a bit of a legacy here in Thailand so early next year we plan to do that in Thailand so taking the education into places that we've never heard of us linking up with schools both international and and local Mm -hmm. um, hopefully getting some restaurant hotel Bin um, food projects happening as well. That's something we'd like to, to you know, encourage and link with it. Yeah. Um, and just giving away all these, you know, few thousand books that we've got and um, inspiring the kids to just look after the, the environment as well as the ocean. So oh, um, watch this space about that. And we're going to get some kind of van if we can get the shark fin on it as well. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, well, you're literally going to have a shark fin on the roof. Not just that's yeah, the plan. I don't know. We can have a big like. I don't know if you ever watched the uh, the 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 Joel Joel Schumacher Batman movie with the, the Batmobile with a big fan at the back. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not used to it, that part yet, but we started looking at vans and finances and routes, and you know it would just be the south of Thailand that we're focused on. Yeah. Once we looked at the map, we were like, "Whoa, we can't <clears> do that in a month." So we're gonna. <laughs> Give it a go, see what happens and see what mm. rolls from that, um, which will be very exciting, actually going to all these places that, that maybe you haven't even heard of Sharp. You'll have to, um, you'll have to, you'll have to blog it daily. Yeah. Follow the route. That's the idea. Yeah, we're going to do like a vlog, like every day we're going to have uh, like a video update telling people where we are, what we're doing, uh, link up with other organizations in the area. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, and also, um, yeah, having some community events, so also out of school events. Uh, the other thing that we had an idea is that we could also have a big screen on the side of the van and we can set up a projector and we can do something outdoors, outside. Yeah. Something, something that'll be a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, so yeah and you can have... do it all dressed in your shark onesie. Exactly. <laughs> it's going to be, you know, proper hot, you know, February March. Oh, yeah. Hot, so maybe yeah. we have to get a, um, this kind of... That this kind of this material, kind of material yeah. yeah. Breathable yeah. shark suit, maybe. We need to We'll see. Yeah. Oh, that <laughs> sounds like great fun. It, but yeah, that's going to be exciting thing. Yeah. And, we say, and you say we've got the books in, in Thai and you do presentations in Thailand at the schools. Do you, yeah. do you have anyone um, who speaks Thai that does the presentations and translations for you? Or? Yeah, that, that's what we, we've got somebody who did some translation for us um, last year in the schools. So she's going to be working with us. So it's quite consistent. Mm. And we hope, I mean, we've got a girl in Bangkok who does some stuff for us, um, who can do the presentations in Thai. So one day we hopefully will have a couple of people here who continue to do it on a local level for us. That would be amazing. That would be great, yeah. Yeah. Well, um, how are we doing for time? I know you guys are getting a bit... uh, I think we've talked about all the different projects and 
the different areas. Not to talk so much about research. I mean, we basically collaborate <clears throat> with some projects who run by different scientists um, or based around citizen science. So if you look at our website, there's lots of things that everybody can get involved with for monitoring shark populations, whale sharks and leopard sharks specifically. So, um, yeah. yeah, that's something that's always happening. Oh, and we're also... We also started supporting a project at St Andrews University in Scotland in the UK last year. And um, that's going to be happening. More is going to be coming from that as well. So that was nice to start supporting a UK project as a UK charity. What's what's that project then? Um, It's based around um, an endangered species of uh, flapper skate. So it's an anasma branch. It's not a shark as such right now but it's within a marine protected area that they've really hardly discovered because it's an endangered flapper state that has been their focus um so we decided to link with it because of you know it's still in the lasbra branch so sharks are from the same family um but they there are other species within this marine protected area including sharks so we thought as a long-term project, it would be something to be involved with, you know, as a positive side. And also, you know, maybe have interns as part of it later on. Um, it's also going to be coming one of the, you know, the Sylvia Earle Hope Spots. Okay. Um, they were kind of, they've gone a bit quiet with those, but that's, that's again, linked and in the pipeline. So there's lots of stuff happening there. As, as any research project, especially linked with the, uh, linked with the university, you know, money, funding comes and goes. Um, but it's a nice team there. And we're, yeah, we're and it's, uh, it's really excited. And there's also an area in the south of uh, the UK they were looking at possibly getting registered as a shark marine, uh, protected area. We're going to be looking into marine yeah. protected areas in, in the UK and how we can maybe be influencing those as well. Okay. Um, you know, another thing with the petition is we've become more well-known. Even though UK charity, we, we've not been known that side. You know, everything we've been done is in Asia because that's yeah. where we've been living and working for a long time. Um, so it's nice to hear things developing in the UK. So again, mm. it's good to watch this space mm. next year with things like that. Yeah, we're busy, got, Matt. Yeah. You're <laughs> always busy. I've never known you. I've never known you not busy. <laughs> But it doesn't matter where people come from. It doesn't matter where the dive centers or resorts are in the world. They can actively get involved with Shark Guardian. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, our long-term plan is that we're going to have a a regional base of Shark Guardian in different parts of the world. So we're going to have the European-based, UK and European-based. We're going to have, we already have somebody right now who is our representative for the Middle East and Africa. Uh, and we're looking to replicate those positions in, in the long term, have somebody uh, based in Asia, in Australia, and the Americas. So we're looking at having a worldwide uh, coordination of running out different projects and activities in all parts of the world. Mm. Uh, and to uh, really grow our, our team of educators and, and expedition leaders. Uh, so that's kind of where we see ourselves in the long term. And continuing to... Uh, push petitions, change legislations, and put laws into place to protect sharks everywhere in any mm. way possible. Mm. <clears throat> Guys, it's it's exciting talking to you. It always has been, right from the word go. From the <laughs> first time I ever met you, and Liz tried to embarrass me for turning up late to one of your presentations. <laughs> um, the passion you guys have for this is is it's just phenomenal. Um, oh. it, it it really is applaudable. Congratulations oh, on everything that you do. Um, 
before we wrap things up, um, you know, the, the title of the show is Scuba Goat. Um, so one quick question, and Brendan's already answered his being South Africa, but Liz, where would, where would you pick as your greatest of all time dive experience? Well, again, South Africa, absolutely amazing. Yeah. Something that sticks in my head is when I first went to Komodo and I'd only just done my advanced course in with Scuba Junkie, actually, yeah. in, um, uh, in Sipadan. And then I went to Indonesia and went to Komodo. So I still, I still had less than 20 dives. And I did this dive where there was, I mean, they were all excited before. They were, you know, looking at the, the not the GPS screen, you know, the fishing thing. And they're just saying, you know, there's so much activity. That we're this, you know, there's loads of stuff. And they, anyway, so we're getting, there's dolphins, there's sharks, there's just the massive thing, you know, these massive trevelles and that would just, have the dolphins zooming around and these sharks just around my and that just sticks you know I still say Komodo is is certainly some of the best diving in the world yeah um but just South Africa has a different yeah I mean it's it's so cold in South Africa I was was having to I was having to go up you know too early early because I just was physically just so running cold it's too different you know that's my cold cold diving versus warm cold Yeah. yeah but that just has that memory, especially because it was early on in my dive career. So. In my opinion, you know, the greatest of all time for any individual, it's all based on your experience, your personal feelings about that location. Mm-hmm. And what well, yeah. better way to hear about it, but from the horse's mouth, you know, from the, I'm not calling exactly. you a horse, Liz, by the way. No, um, <laughs> I, mean, when you said I thought you were going to get us to do goat impressions. <laughs> oh, so, no, no. Not, no, I know. I've, I've seen it, I've seen enough of your shark impressions and those hats and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> more to come. <laughs> oh dear me. Okay. Well, um, thank you very much for your time, and you I look forward. Yeah. Just let us let us know or tell us how people can find you and how they can get in touch with you and how they can support Shark Guardian. Well, you can find us via. Uh, www.sharkguardian.org is the website. We are very active on social media, specifically with Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So if you can search us that way. This is the best way to get the most recent updates, news, and information. Uh, we are also uh, doing some really interesting blogs at the moment uh, through our website. And that's probably the best way to get in touch and keep, uh, keep up to date with our activities. Awesome. Support, we have a web store um, where you can buy merchandise. So that's the big one of the biggest ways that we run the charity is by selling mm. cool t-shirts and caps and whatever. Some rice so guarding um, gear. Accessible mm. from anywhere in the world. We do ship worldwide. So yeah. have a look on the website for that for sure. And that's that's the important thing here. You guys are putting in a you know 24-7 working on this project, but it is actually a charity, so it relies on donations from people. So uh, if people want to show you the sport, they can do it directly. Um, indirectly, if you're going to go on holiday at some point, you can always book through Nomadic Scuba, and we will put 20 books of every booking that we receive uh, to Shark Guardian. So some of your money will be going to Shark Guardian whilst you're going on holiday. And we'll probably plug you for some more money while you're on holiday. <laughs> <laughs> Brendan, Liz, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you, I appreciate it. Thank you. We'll see you again on the podcast. See you soon. This is Scuba Goat Under the Sea, the podcast for the inquisitive diver.